and welcome to Vendorwag with me, Mike Laverick, and with Liquidware Labs. This particular section is the product lowdown. Now, we've had the elevator pitch. The elevator pitch was 30 minutes long. That's one hell of an elevator ride. There's lots of flaws in my elevator. Um, this particular uh, segment of the, the series is meant to be more technical, uh, meant to be more about the products, what they can do, uh, what makes them unique. What they do that you know other vendors don't do. Um, if you're interested in actually seeing the product in action, I recommend that you watch this video and the companion video, which is the technology demo, where you can actually see widgets and buttons being pressed. I'm I'm one of those people who likes a certain amount of theory and a certain amount of demo. But some people I've met in this world, they just want to know from a conceptual level how something works because they've got guys who are going to do the knob turning. And there are other people who are more kind of product focused. I need to see the buttons and the radio buttons to see how this thing works. So um, that's the, the, the framework. With me is Jason E. Smith. Um, we will not be formal all the way. We'll call each other by our first names, I think. Uh, but Jason, can you introduce yourself uh, to people watching and listening? Uh, who are you and what do you do for Liquid Lair Labs? Thanks, Mike, and you know, thanks for having us on. This is uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to, to speak to the community about our solutions. I, I joined Liquidware Labs just shortly after the company got started in 2009, and joined from um, from a company that that uh, we we merged in with Liquidware Labs. It was myself and a business partner had another company called Intrigue that brought in uh, what people know and the community now knows is Profile Unity. It's been very satisfying for me to see the growth of not only Profile Unity, but the innovation that the entire Liquidware Labs team, uh, the development team, our technology team, been able to add to the product through the user interface as well as adding in application layering as early as 2011. But better than that are solutions that uh, in, in, encapsulate even our assessment and user experience. It's a great to be a part of this team. As part of the team, I'm I'm VP of product marketing, but I am a little more on the technical side, so I'm adept to, to take on these conversations in this session, and uh, and we can go as deep as we need to go. So thanks again for having me. Cool. So uh, we've got a kind of opening uh, segment that's, that Jason's got to go through, sort of quick intro, and then we'll we'll get more and more technically deep into the the product. So uh, over to you, Jason. All right, great. So. Uh, just to level status on a couple of slides, and some of these may have been in common from that previous session uh, that you had recorded with Tyler, uh, one of our founders. Uh, our methodology and, and how we're unique to the market is that we are really the original desktop transformation suite with being able to service your uh, accounts at every phase of a desktop transformation. And that's not only virtual desktop transformations, but also server-hosted sessions, as well as even physical host sessions, uh, whether you move into a, a physical desktop with a different operating system version or to a virtual desktop, uh, we can help you in that transformation. That's because we can assess and design, help you design that ideal environment with our Stratosphere solutions and through our partner network that enable that we've enabled with our Stratosphere solutions. We can help migrate and manage users with Profile Unity uh, and FlexApp being able to now manage applications and layer those in. And then we can validate the solution with Stratosphere UX as a perpetual license in your environment to be able to show how the baseline of our fitness assessment that you may have done with one of our partners indeed is 
is now delivering a better desktop than ever before for your users. If not, we can show you where the bottlenecks are so you can grow and scale those deployments. And then lastly, we have a solution known as Flex.io. It's an IOPS acceleration product. And a lot of times we use that because we're into a lot of big deployments. We're able to speed up a customer's environment very quickly and able to uh, show them a huge value add with being able to operate their virtual desktop um, implementations out of a RAM cache, which is, believe it or not, speeds up even flash arrays in the market. So that's a cool offering as well. Okay. So a little bit about how we helped, how we've helped some of our uh, customers, Mike. Uh, I'm not going to run through every single one of these, but I believe that these will resonate with most people watching because there's a little bit of everything in here, everything from telco to financial institutions to hospitals to even government institutions with the U.S. Navy and others. And just to cite a couple of these on here, you know, we're able to do things like what we did in the, in the second one there for AT&T and for Saudi Telecom and others. We're able to bring in full user environment management to enable them not only on virtual desktops to be able to make the persona stick with policies that will go and follow them from any desktop to the next, but a robust profile that will even go across Windows operating system versions. Everything from Windows XP or Server 2003 to Windows 10 now and, and 2008 R2. So with thousands of users at, at those sites. And, and in some cases, we were able to onboard physical people that were on physical desktops onto virtual desktops. And in other cases, we were able to coexist multiple operating system versions across those. If we jump down to another use case here at the desktop monitoring uh, bullet here, eTrade, actually based here in the uh, exactly where I am in the Alpharetta, Georgia area, uh, they're able to monitor their desktops across all their virtual desktop infrastructure with our Stratosphere user experience solution. It goes deeper and wider than any other solution in the market, I would, I would brag, uh, by being able to report back not only what's happening on that desktop, but on each integral piece of the VDI infrastructure throughout the enterprise with agent-based technology, as well as what we deem hall monitor technology that reports back to our reporting engine. So you get to see a, a much wider and deeper picture of what's going on. Again, so you can troubleshoot and grow and scale your deployments. But a lot of other brand name accounts there that we're proud to have done business with, whether we're doing Windows migrations from one OS to the next, or maybe we're helping them with a software license audit like we did at American Express or monitoring the network like we did for Home Depot. Right, okay, cool. So uh, to summarize our solution offering and, and to show you exactly where we fit, we offer a, a workspace environment management methodology and solution set with our solutions known as Profile Unity for full-blown user environment management, which will give you a portable profile, policies, access to data across any type of Windows desktop environment, any type of OS version as well. So you can use it to onboard users to their next desktop or to coexist those across different experiences. And that's what we're doing at a lot of our enterprise customer sites. Application layering with FlexApp, it provides the ability to bring in applications in addition to your base image. So it really simplifies base image management. You can truly get to your goal of single base image management with FlexApp, especially in your VDI environment because it's so dynamic. You lay down the base image when the user machine is provisioned and then rely on FlexApp application layering to bring in the applications and of course Profile Unity can bring in the user environment. 
And lastly, to monitor, to add a lot of visibility to this, to these types of environments, especially VDI, but also any type of Windows environment, including physical, add visibility with what is going on in those environments. Um, and it's really, as I stated earlier, one of the leading solutions in the market to be able to do that wider and deeper than anybody. And then again, just to restate, we work across virtual, cloud-based, and physical type of desktops. So just to ask a devil's advocate question here, you know, everybody has a suite. Uh, without mentioning other companies, quite often that suite is more of a kind of product packaging thing to make it, you know, sweeten the pill and make it easy to sell the product, as opposed to genuine integration between these various products. So, I mean, is that the case here? Uh, are these products truly integrated or is it, is it just uh, a packaging exercise that you have this uh, suite, you know, essentials, advanced enterprise, etc. No, it's a great, it's, that's a great question. Um, so Profile Unity with the UEM piece and the application layering, from the ground up, when we decided to innovate in application layering, that wasn't something that we acquired as a company. That's something that we actually designed, wrote ourselves, and we brought in to our user environment management umbrella Profile Unity. So you can buy that solution as Profile Unity with FlexApp, or you can buy it locked down to where only the UEM features will work or the application layering features will work. And that's mainly because maybe you already have a, a UEM solution in there, like from AppSense or someone else is a long-standing one. Now, we don't need to unseat that, 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 uh, that type of solution in the market. We can complement it with our application layering because it's fully compatible to do that. Mm -hmm. But they are integrated under one umbrella, and I'm going to show um, a bit about that today, and, and you'll see there's true integration there. So it was okay. made that way from the ground up, and we truly feel like application layering should be part of UEM. On the visibility side, we've taken a different approach right. instead of integrating. There's so many solutions out there you may want to feed metrics into. Um, so you're, we have an API with Stratosphere, and with that API, you're able to take that and you're able to take the data from Stratosphere and, and be able to feed it into whether you, you've got a, a, you know, an IBM type or Tivoli type or HP type solutions to be able to feed metrics in and to bring in those deep metrics and wide metrics about your desktop environment, be able to bring it in to where you can bring it into, you know, not to use a an overused term in the industry, but maybe a single pane of glass. So if you want to take the data out of that, we, we allow you to integrate the data. I, I, I reached for the button. I didn't press it because I'm not that rude. But, you know, I was saying actually uh, on, the, on, the, on the previous call that um, I, I, working for VMware, we used to use phrases like total cost of ownership, return of investment, single pane of glass. And what I ended up doing was trying to invent other words that were, that were like those words. So if they came up on a slide, I wouldn't actually have to say them. So I think I came up with true cost of ownership rather than total cost of ownership. And a, a single window of management, I just never could bring myself to say a single pane of glass because it was like, oh. <laughs> But it's so difficult. as you know. It is so difficult uh, with the way where these words have become endemic in the way that we talk about technologies to avoid them. So, I was joking with Tyler. I'm going to have a T-shirt written with total cost of ownership, and when I walk around the Solutions Exchange at VMworld, it'll be there on my T-shirts. <laughs> People are like, "Oh no, I can't say the word." Okay. So um, that's great. What's next? What's next? Well, let me tell you about how this solution, you know, when would you want to use it? And so we sell the solution alongside with partners because um, a lot of partners out there are already embedded with customers. There's a trusted relationship there. And so that's the perfect time 
to bring in a partner to be able to do something like a stratosphere fitness assessment. And sometimes that's low cost to the customer. It's just some services that the partner would need. We arm them with uh, the fitness licenses out there, especially our Stratosphere Accelerate partners. So if you're doing business with a partner out there, you want to look for one of our Accelerate partners to be able to come in there. So you're in the planning phase. Maybe you're going to a new desktop. So you can save time, take the guesswork out of, out of what's going on, and you can right-size that environment so you get that proof of concept and the pilot and production off on the right foot. But we don't always get in at that phase. There's the onboarding phase. Sometimes we come into a project where a customer's already rolling out VDI or maybe they're rolling out new physical desktops and they're now they're scratching their head, you know, how how do I need to get how do I get my custom my users into this with the least amount of resistance possible so I get full user adoption. And that's where we come in with Profile Unity and are able to bring in the user environment management. If you get your users under management in the legacy environment today, literally you just show them the shortcut on their desktop, maybe to VDI, say this is your new desktop going forward if you're repurposing hardware, for example. They click on that, if Profile Unity is running and hitting that same domain, they're going to get their profile across OS into that environment immediately at login. So onboarding is a key phase for us um, because Profile Unity really is most effective if you run it in the legacy environment. And by the way, it's a cyclical thing, right? You might go to Windows 8.1, or maybe that just happened, and now you're looking at Windows 10. And if you've got Profile Unity in place, you've got a bridge where you have full user adoption because they get their profile across all these OSs and even backwards and forwards in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, and when you're in production, you may have uh, rolled out VDI, for example, and you're off and running, but you may need to monitor and manage that. And I like to say, grow and scale. At some point, you're saying, you know, this is working out pretty good. I brought in the call center at first to VDI. Now I want to bring on maybe some knowledge workers or, or task workers and then knowledge workers. Mm-hmm. And that's a great time for us to show you and monitor that user experience because we don't want to see it degrade over time by adding too many users to a server or too many users to the network on VDI. And so you can show where those bottlenecks occur. So really let's, any let's phase. Let's face it, historically that's been one of the big biting things about VDI. You get it off the ground, it gets successful, and then you're asked to onboard more uh, people and you find that you can't, that it starts to grind to a halt. You know, that, I mean, I guess that's pointing to early storage problems. Maybe that happens less so now, but I guess it can still happen for other reasons, maybe not storage related. Right. Well, a lot of times it is storage related, sometimes it's network related, and that's where it's tough to put your finger. You know, when you've got a physical desktop sitting there, you look at task manager, you see what's going on, and then what other variables might you have had? Mm. The network, so you can check that. Um, but with VDI, there's a lot of moving parts, and it's hard to put your finger on it. And Stratosphere is what puts the finger on this and that part and that part, and it reports back. And it's an aggregate of that user experience. So we can see that if it's declining over time, you can set up alerts and reporting so you can get those, you know, just a ping email, say, you know, your network performance is falling down for this group of users or things like that. You're able to come in there and right-size it before it becomes a mission-critical issue. Here's, so, a, here's another question which I hadn't planned on asking, but... I'll put it out there anyway. You, you talked about the partners that you have and how you enable them to to do the assessments. And obviously, I guess what the partners hoping is from doing the assessment that might lead to you know uh, further commitments from the customer. Are those uh, planning assessments are they free or are they to be paid for or does it depend on the the partner that you're with whether they kind of sweeten the pill by saying we'll do a a free assessment? What what how does that work out? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and our partners work a little different. So our partners subscribe to us. There's real cost involved there for them mm -hmm. to be able to subscribe to our Stratosphere Fit, but it is a great value. Uh, you know, for one flat fee, they can go into virtually unlimited uh, engagements during the year and be able to help their customers out. Right. Now, some partners decide that they want to recover that by offering services, and I think that's a fair thing. Some no such thing some as a partners take those on as a trust relationship. So there's different relationships out there, and that's that's an honest answer too, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to look for what's right in your situation. Now that you know nothing's for free to the customer, the partner wants to come in there and they want to help you, and that's worth something to the customer. So it, the relationships are different between our partners and our customers, but there's no one-to-one -one, uh, charge to us from the customer. It's it is the partner performing services. Right. Okay. So I guess customers might shop around a bit and see what we can get. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and you know they can call us and we'll we'll tell them uh you know partners in their area that we know we've been very successful with. Okay. And if they've got something in mind, then then we can help guide them to a partner or let them make the decision is is even better. So I think we've done our opener and scene setter. I think we're ready now to sort of segue to learn more about what the products do, what they're capable of, how they work. Right, I you know all of our products are are innovative, uh, and 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 they go deeper. You know, I actually spent a lot of time talking about our monitoring and our fitness assessment on the slides, but really I want to transition over to where we've seen some innovation, even and brought to market innovation in the last six months, with two new versions of Profile Unity with Flex App back to back, and our teams redeveloped Profile Unity a bit from the ground up from the management console side, so we can be very modular in design and we can. Uh, get to market a lot faster. So we're going to have releases that are quicker, perhaps as many as three a year, three or four a year, um, and you'll see features from us uh, in rapid succession. We had a release in October of 2015, uh, and then we just had a release at the end of the year. Uh, really, we announced it at Citrix Summit. We chose that venue, and that added on significant functionality again, or micro-isolation. And then we're looking forward. We plan to release another release uh, here in the spring, and it's going to have even further innovations in it. But Profile Unity with Flex App, again, to level set us, is full-blown user environment management. And with, with, with profile and policy management, it's context-aware, so it's got everything that you may have known uh, should be included from a user environment management vendor. And it also includes the application layering. Now, that can be made optional, so if that idea turns you off, you know, we can talk about a different scenario. We have licenses that will open that up or maybe limit it the opposite way around. Uh, like I said earlier, if you already have, for example, UEM taken care of or if you've got layering taken care of. We've got joint customers with competitors out in the market like Unidesk. We're providing UEM. We've got joint customers with Aptis, AppSense, I'm sorry, and, and we're providing layering. So it's a vice versa thing. Okay. And, and uh, more times than not, customers will love our approach and see the simplicity of one management console. So I want to talk about some of the ways that we're leading the market, um, and, and in your shoes, the, the viewers, you know why and when you may want to look at us. So first off, we're really the original desktop transformation suite out there. We've seen some others imitate our desktop transformation suite um, with with one-offs and assemble things. And to your point, maybe things that may not be one one integrated type of an approach like we have with Liquidware Labs. 
VMware customers may want to look at us because they want to add the best of breed solutions beyond just the checkbox functionality that VMware provides in layering or in the UEM area. Because we have, as you'll see on this next slide, we have some real innovations here that are head and shoulders above, not, not any named competitors, but uh, uh, head and shoulders above and leading the market. So uh, sometimes they, they may want to look at the type of the bundle that they get from VMware. So there's bundles where they don't have to get what they don't need so they can look at the best cost value approach and then add on best of breed solutions from us for user experience monitoring, application layering, and UEM. A more open solution that would go across anything if you change desktop delivery methods in the future. And speaking of that, of course, there's Citrix that's led this market for a very long time. Mm. They, they, they are still, they still reign keen uh, for the most installed desktops where ZenApp and Zen Desktop run. So Citrix customers that need to complement things that are base functionality within the stack from Citrix, such as they need to complement HDX insight metrics and director data because they need that deeper and wider data for actual desktop metrics that Stratosphere provides, may choose um, our solutions. As, and in addition, user profile manager, while it's a good standard solution for making a profile stick, it's not quite user environment management for policies and everything under one umbrella, so we've got profile unity there. And even Citrix is coming to market with checkbox functionality in the app uh, layering business with AppDisk in the spring of this year, when we're talking about 2016. That's the plan from them, but we, don't, we know that we have some things above and beyond that may be a better fit for the enterprise use case. Um, customers that want a best-of-breed solution that's not coupled to their desktop delivery platform, another good time to look at us because that's virtual, cloud, and physical type of desktops that will work across all of those, and then you're not tied to your licenses from your VDI vendor, for example. And then lastly, you know, we have a price advantage. We're not a VC leveraged company. We don't have to make up for having millions of dollars pumped into us. We're able to set our price to be very cost-effective, and that's where our Liquid Wear Labs Essentials bundle, and that's currently a $79 value for everything that we told you about earlier. That's another reason why you may want to look at us. So that's the last of the marketing. Let's transition a little bit more over to technology. Don't you agree, Mike? Yeah. Thanks for that, though. It was useful. So, you, you know, you do have to justify these types of solutions, so it's, an ex it's a discussion worth having, of course. Um, but how are we actually leading? So people want to know, you know, are they getting the best of breed technology and they want to see when they should bake us off. We highly encourage customers to bake us off against any solutions in the market because we know we are leading with features that you won't see in most other solutions, even standalone solutions or the bundled solutions that are in the market today from even the desktop delivery vendors. We've got things like embedded integrated application rights management. No, there's only a couple of UEM vendors even on the market that offer application rights management, and we're the only one on the market that offers it as an embedded part of our UEM. We don't charge extra for it. That's not another sweet product, and some do as much as $40 and extra. So it's that, that allows you to do application restrictions. So maybe you've got things in a base image or you're, deliver, or you're delivering apps that you don't want everyone to be able to open that app, so we can do that. And we can also elevate the privileges of users. And there's standalone privilege elevation in the market. So a lot of times we, we provide that type of functionality for customers. So you, know, you get into delivering applications, you deliver an application that may need admin rights. You don't want to open up a security hall. So we can do that with privilege elevation um, securely just for one single app. So we're able to also provide high, high availability. We'll talk about that on some of the slides later when we talk about our uh, architecture. 
We can run with admin configuration with Profile Unity. So everything that we do with policy management and everything, it, we effectively run at a much higher level HKLM type functionality for registry keys. So when we lock down USB, by dog, it is secure because a standard user can't come in there and change an HKLM key, as you know. So we're actually doing things very secure. We're able to do uh, things that an administrator could do as if they were sitting on that desktop themselves, but we do it right at user login. Mm. We have a lot of flexibility because we support VMDK and VHD. You'll see that again in the architecture. We do things in guest from VHD, so we're very dynamic and flexible there, and that works for the majority of organizations we've seen rolling out layering. We can, we're really flexible, so some of the layering solutions on the market are limited to machine-only type of functionality, and that's because they need to mount their layers early on, right before the user credentials and everything, so that services and drivers work. With our technology, uh, using our filter driver-based technology to bring in applications, we are able to assign almost all applications to any type of user or group, so we can get very, very granular, even those with services and drivers. So a printer driver for a PDF reader-writer will work seamlessly. Even things that require drivers for USB and things like that will work very seamlessly when applied even to a specific user so and not to a machine. Does that, does that mean the actual boot time and the time it takes for things to become available and login right. times are, are quicker? Right. There's some solutions in the market that can provide only that type of functionality if they do it at boot time. Right. With us, we can do most of the time either or. We can do a boot time, and that will give you the appearance of having a faster logon because you're not waiting after user logon yeah. to bring in applications. Right. Um, or we can do it after user logon and be very, very granular about who gets that specific application. So maybe Marriott in accounting only on Tuesdays <laughs> gets, uh, gets an application because she needs it. That's not a good use case, but sometimes you have compliance reasons, for example why a specific group in a specific building and maybe at a time of day need an application but they shouldn't have it the rest of the time and so we can take care of those scenarios as well. Understood, understood. So we've got technology like micro isolation in, uh, built in and this is something that we've not seen anyone else do out there so we've seen the layering market evolve and what happens with with layers is when they're snapped into the OS they might not have been aware that the other layer was there and needed a common DLL. A dependency just an example description, yeah. Yeah, we're able to remediate those things in real time. It's all automatic. So you can have separate layers come in. And by the way, we can do big layers too. But our methodology says keep your layers separate, separate applications. It's a lot easier to update a single layer without bringing down a whole um, group of applications and worrying about how they interact. All that stuff's automatic with us with micro-isolation. So if two applications come in, need similar files or registry keys or th something like that, and they see they're in use, we remediate that on the fly and we redirect it back to the VHD or VMDK where we know those DLLs and original files can be sought out and used if the other ones are in use. All automatic, you know, so you don't have to worry about what to package first. Years and years ago, we used to talk about DLL hell, DLL conflicts, shared DLLs. Is that a problem that still companies really face with modern versions of Windows and modern versions of applications? Do we still well, have DLL hell? That's, that's a good question. See, we saw it, the, the layering industry, not just us, mm. saw it rear its ugly head uh, again because it was taken care of in a couple ways. The OS took care of it, but also packages that are aware with a good installer will come into an environment in a, in a, in a traditionally installed environment so you install an application first that's already in the OS, mm -hmm. 
let's just use Adobe Photoshop as an example because Adobe Lightroom, if you installed it separately the next day, would come in and it would see that Photoshop has already put some DLLs in place and maybe registry files and other files, not just DLLs. And anytime it sees a conflict during install, it's going to remediate that. Mm. So we've solved it, you know, not only at an OS level for some things, but in package installers have done this too. But when you bring in layered applications that were packaged separately, and bam, they're in the OS, mm. that's when you see it rear its ugly head again, because now they might be pointing to that same conflicted file that they had. Because they're unaware of each other, otherwise. therefore the installers haven't been able to work out that's right. how to fit those two applications together. That's right. So we've seen, and we even recommended this at first with our earlier technologies, that if you see this happen, now go back and package those applications together at the same time, and they're aware of each other. Now they remediated each other at the package level. But that required a hit and miss scenario because you could come up with, now, worst case scenario, the Adobe Suite, and you're, if you're just doing in regular single one-off installs, not the full suite, they're never going to be aware of each other. You may have a department that needs two here, three here, and another here. Before you know it, you have all kinds of scenarios where you have Adobe layers all over the place. You have this layer stack here, this layer stack here, and this layer stack. It could go to five, six, seven, eight. Now you've got to update all those when you update them. It's far more simple to, to be able to keep these layers separate and an application in each layer. Now, as I said, You've got a use case. You can still stack these together if you want to. But if you want to update Lightroom, for example, you're able to do a cloning, and you're able to update that and roll it out at the next user logon. You don't have to know or concern yourself with when to use, um, when, you, when to stack those together, or when something like micro-isolation need or full isolation, like a thin app needed to be, or an app V. Um, and for those use cases, there's still needs for a thin app. There's still needs for app V. But what we've seen is that for file conflict, we're solving all that automatically with our micro-isolation. Um, the only thing we don't solve is side-by-side -side applications, and that's still a good use case for app the internet. Sure. I guess, I mean, when I looked at this, and it's some time, some years ago since I like, got my hands dirty with uh, ThinApp and AppV, is for the large corporates, they almost employed a dedicated team of people just to do packaging and, and testing all, all day. And that ain't cheap and it ain't quick either to do all that kind of regression testing. Is that something that uh, this sort of layering technology is, you know, doing away with or freeing those guys up to do something that's more valuable? Or do large enterprise corporates still have to go through that kind of hoop jumping exercise before they deliver the application to the user? Yes, but by all indications, that's a great, that's a great question because it's, it's, it's a concern. With everybody that knew about ThinApp or AppV and they needed to hire someone, a specialist, or they needed to consult with a specialist, and then it became a full-time job. Layering is a little more simple, and, and I would say that even across the layering vendors, not, not to use an exclusive with us, but it's a little more simple. It's more capturing the application install process, and, and the way that layering for most of the vendors work is we look far more native to the OS. So there's no remediation or bubble you needed to open to make an application work with another application or the OS itself. And so that's what a lot of the thin app or, or app v sequencing, you know, did mm -hmm. was, you know, now I've got to come in and take into account and open up this isolated bubble. And sometimes you need the isolated bubble. But now I need to open it up to where it can talk to this guy or that guy. And they may have had a way with that over the years, but it's still there. With layering, 
we simply have a packaging console. It doesn't have to be the same guy that administers the network or the uh, the desktops. He can simply install applications that are captured in a VHD or VMDK automatically. We don't even have to do templates. We it does our packaging console is automated in that regard. It'll spin up a VHD the size that you specify and then to kick it off when you're installing something. It's the next, 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 and finish. And it's it's that simple. And and it can you can have a guy and some of our customers have just a, a, an entry-level uh, desktop admin guy that's packaging up a few apps. Mm -hmm. And when in the use of our partners, in the case of our partners, sometimes they're packaging up apps and they're sharing them across multiple vendors because they become portable apps. Once you package them, they're on a VHD or VMDK containerized. They have all the metadata, metadata in them that they need to be able to import that back into a different Profile Unity Management Console because we read the metadata and we bring it in. So once you package as one of our partners, you can share that across, and even large large enterprises can do that among departments too. So it's really has evolved over time to where it's it's no longer needs an expert or a full time employee. Okay. So we're going to look at the architectures now, the differences between the the, the VHD and the VMDK format, um, which is something I was. Uh, I wasn't aware that there was even these sort of two different approaches, so I'm very interested in these two different ways, why one method exists, what's the advantages and disadvantages of one method and right. another. So uh, you've got my rapt attention. Yeah. Right, great. So it, this slide says Profile Unity Architecture, but it, it means Profile Unity with FlexApp. Shares an architecture, and in this case, we're going to talk about our VHD architecture. In the next slide, everything that you see here remains true. So if you're doing VMDK, watch this, you know, before you you, you may fast forward if you're a, a viewer watching this. So Profile Unity runs on existing infrastructure by default. And there's no additional SQL clusters that need to be maintained, no IIS servers, and this gives you full functionality for not only UEM, user environment management, but also for application layering. And the key reason we're able to do that is our agent does the heavy lifting on the endpoint our agent and a couple of services. It does, um, it brings down the profile from a file share that's already existing for their user. Let's just consider this file share in the middle of the user's home drive. Mm -hmm. Their file share is, uh, their profile is out there in a profile unity folder waiting for the next time they log in. It's in a compressed state and it's brought down to the endpoint at user login by the agent and it's brought down, even a machine they never logged on before could be across OS and it's brought into that environment. The next thing that we do is we set up policies on there. So we look to a configuration file that's sitting out here on a file share. And this, this looks at our configuration for Profile Unity and says this user uh, is in this specific group, so they should have their policy set up accordingly. Mm -hmm. So we bring in that from a file share as well. These are replicated file shares, so they're always highly available. So we always have a highly available um, architecture regardless of how you are rolling out Profile Unity in any type of Windows environment, you have the same thing. Um, what we have here is this last file share is represented by VHDs that may be on the NAS or also in the user's file share. In the case of user-installed applications is that first VHD, so that's a portable VHD that would follow them if you're leveraging user-installed applications. Uh, but the more popular feature is our department-installed applications, so you'll have and when I talk about layers, you would have multiple ones. There's one shown in this draw drawing, but you would have multiple ones here. And then lastly, you, you have profile disk that where you have an option to bring in the entire profile from our profile disk. So that's a technology that is very quick 
provides the best of both worlds to bring in a profile that can be made very granular through our portability settings, so you can have a lot of customizations, or you can um, simply bring down the profile in its bulk state. So if you look at this file share here, this is an example of uh, really we, we specify the netlog on file share. It's an already existing file share out on the network of every Windows deployment that exists. has read-only access for users. Administrators will have write access so they can update the configuration for Profile Unity. And our agent sits out there in a couple of ADM and ADMX templates that will kick us off based on the fact that users are in a Profile Unity group and their machines in that group. Those two things ring true and the user can log on, it looks to the configuration file, grabs what it needs from the file shares, and then accordingly the user is off and running. All that happens at seconds and log on. So what this means is that the Profile Unity Central Management Console, and keep this blue box in mind because it's going to show up again in the VMDK scenario I'll show in a minute. This guy can go offline because we do in-guest mounting of VHDs for even layering. There's no points of dependency outside of file shares. This netlog on file share, it could be another VFS replicated file share, it doesn't have to be netlog on, already exists and is scaled accordingly for environments and we've got, by the way, huge enterprises like the one you saw on the cover slide running on the netlog on file share. No processes, it's just a file share. This already exists in all organizations, they're DFS replicated. Mm. So if if the network's up and running, Windows is up and running, Profile Unity is going to be up and running. It's highly available. I've got two. And that's a key thing. Sorry, go on. No, it's a key thing for VHDs, and that's why it's very simple with VHD scenario. And I'll show you how we do support VMDKs with a, with a slight deviation from that. Okay. I've got two questions to ask. One, a stupid question. Um, and I say stupid, but usually I take the view of if I'm asking it, then chances are there are other people who are equally stupid as me who are wanting to be clear. This, you know, normally I would associate VHD with Microsoft, Hyper-V, all that kind of gubbins, and I, I don't use that because I use vSphere, but I understand that the reason this works is because this VHD is being mounted inside the operating system, and therefore it's a function of Windows. It's got nothing to do with the underlying virtualization layer. Is that right? That's right. You have some layering solutions in the market that are tied to the hypervisor all the time, and we're not. We're independent of the hypervisor. So it, VHD is a Windows thing. So when you mount VHDs, they show up in disk management, and they're there. You're, you're not going to see you know, tons of VHDs in your because files. Because you, you can take a physical Windows system and mount a VHD to it. It's just a file to it. It gets mounted as a drive letter. That's right. right okay. No hypervisor needed. You know, it, so you can bring a lot of attributes of virtual environments to physical now with this. I mean, that's something that... I kind of knew, but then you don't think, uh, well, what's a guerrilla use of this? And this is a good example of a kind of, I bet Microsoft never thought anybody would, would do this, but somebody's been able to leverage it and create a solution around it. The second question yeah. is uh, perhaps less a stupid one, but you know, one of the things that we always talk about or worry about with profiles is profile blood. And everybody has war stories about, oh, I had this customer's profile. And it was like a terabyte in size or something stupid like that and took about five years for it to load up at login. Will this solution do anything for profile bloat or am I getting hold of the wrong end of the stick in terms of the way the solution actually works? That That's like a non-issue. Mike, that's not a stupid question. Uh, first off, I, I'm, I'm reminded of my uh, 10th grade or 11th grade chemistry teacher who said this. She said, no, there are no questions? She says, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And so my friend Sam sitting next to me said, uh, 
Miss Goodley, what's the mold? <laughs> Sam, that's a stupid question. <laughs> very good, very good. So I, I can't, I can't hear that phrase without thinking of uh, Miss Goodley no. telling Sam about a stupid question, my friend Sam. So uh, if you look at um, the way that we handle the profile, we handle bloat in in a couple of different ways, okay. or maybe three. So we handle bloat in in a couple of uh, three ways. We can be very granular about the parts of the profile we pick up. First off, we only pick up a very tuned profile. Um, we, we, we eliminate the, the bloated areas, like caches that aren't needed, the Sun Java cache, things that grow you know, beyond exponential. So that speeds it up another way. Another way is that we have a compression engine that will compress profiles to a 50 to 1 compression ratio. Right, okay. So you take a profile that was, you know, gigabytes even, it can end up being uh, mere megabytes. And then, and, then, and then lastly, one of the ways that we speed up the profile is that we provide this new profile disk technology. This profile disk technology will allow you to snap in the entire profile from VHD. So you're basically doing the same thing, almost the same technique as layering in an application, but you're bringing in the profile just before the Windows credentials are entered into, uh, into uh, when, when the user logs on, just before Windows starts its log off process, the, v, the, the profile is mounted from a profile disk. And when Windows looks for it, it says, is there a profile on this machine? Windows is essentially tricked into thinking the profile is native on this machine. And so it goes lightning fast. So that's, a, that's an own network solution. It's not like a rolling profile that's being pulled across the network in, in, the, right. in the way that it would have been done, well, what, 10 years ago now, I guess. Right. So it looks like a persistent profile even in a VDI environment. Mm. So you take a non-persistent VDI environment and we slide in a profile disk and it says, oh, there's already a profile there. It's almost like the persistent disk type of solution that, that VMware tried several years ago, but with one huge nuance. Right. First off, it's very dynamic and can be layered back in if you scrap your entire environment. It's tied to the user and not to the VDI environment. But secondly, it can be made very, very granular. So we run two profile technologies together in that case. Okay. Our, our profile technology runs and mounts the profile, and then our, our, our granular profile can come in and, and only do deltas. So we'll only look at deltas from the last time the user logged on. Right. So it's lightning fast. Yeah. Okay, understood. So then there's a VMDK approach architecture. How, That's right. How does that differ? So everything, everything on this slide remains true. Don't be intimidated by the next slide. But I told you this blue box guy, our profile unity management console, could go offline because everything's in guest. Mm -hmm. Well, if I look at that, uh, it, the next slide, our in-guest technology does not extend to managing vCenter and also, you know, uh, vSphere. So, in ESX and bringing in VMDKs, that's the key thing. You need a management infrastructure around that. Now, that blue box outline can still do that, mm -hmm. but here we've broken that blue box into its parts to show you what those are. Right. So, in a proof of concept, you could get by with VMDKs you see on the previous slide because your management console wouldn't need to be highly available. You only have one of them. If it goes down, you haven't broken much in a proof of concept. But once you go production, mm -hmm. you need more than one copy of that management console because that's the guy that's going to do your VMDK mounts. Mm -hmm. And so we have three copies of our management console on any three Windows servers. And then we have a messaging fabric built on RabbitMQ. RabbitMQ is used by v VMware themselves, also by Cisco and others as a technology that will keep you know, multiple servers in sync. So we use that technology to keep our own database that's included the management console and settings in sync. So now if Windows is up and running, Profile Unity is up and running, and our highly available architecture is up and running, everything's going to be up and running. We need a minimum of three 
for our Mongo database, and that's what we're using there to scale exponentially. But the thing is, and the point made here, is that others have come up with a highly available infrastructure, but they rely on SQL clusters. They rely on F5-type load balancers, and those are all hidden cost, hidden complexity. Plus, it's not really their technology. It's somebody else's technology that they're using to put that availability in place, aren't they? Absolutely, and sometimes those are required even for their VHD because they aren't. They don't have a smart agent that can do in-guest mounting all the time or by default. Mm. Maybe an option, but it's extra steps. So, for a VMware customer, for example, if they were interested in you, would you recommend a previous uh, approach? Um, why would somebody pick this if VHD works <laughs> everywhere? Good question. Why do you even offer VMDK? So sometimes VMDK could be faster. It's sitting on that, that, that VMFS storage. Mm. So in some environments, that may be faster to bring in these layers that way. But what we found is actually VHDs on, on a good network will come in just as fast. Mm. So that's a little bit more keep it simple with the architecture. We recommend to our customers start off with VHDs, add VMDKs when you wish. And here's a cool thing about us is that you can mix and match VMDKs and VHDs. We don't force you down a path on one or the other and you can never turn back. Mm. So you can mix and match. So start off with VHDs, go to VMDKs if you wish. You do have a mount limit with VMDKs of 58 per machine. Two are needed for the for the desktop session itself, so 60 total out of VMware, right? But um, you you with VMDKs are sorry, VHDs, those mounts are possible up to the up to in the thousands with Microsoft technology. So there's you're not going to run into any hard wall with VHDs. So, I mean, I'll, I'll ask me, me make this question more pointed. In what cases would somebody want to use the VMDK option? What's the trigger point for doing that, for, for using this particular method rather than the previous one? Yep. The, the primary case would be sometimes they'd find it was faster. Right. So you're looking at line speeds for VHD. And that's going to vary from then, customer to customer at the end of the day. Right. We don't know how many hops is between your VDI environment, for example, and your, uh, and your storage. Mm -hmm. If there's two... If there's two or three hops, it's no problem, but you may have more. You may have some weak point in there. With a VMDK, you'll have that on VMFS storage, and then that could be faster. But So you weigh that against VHDs are fast if you've got a great network and they're less than two hops away or less than three hops away, and VMDKs could be faster in some environments as well. So and the other fact is that we have to be competitive because we have, we have uh, our competitors out there offering scenarios where they support both. We support both, and we support both simultaneously. Right, if you okay. I guess some people might be ideologically attached to one format over another, but who really cares? It's just a volume that's mounted. You know, does it really matter uh, whether it's VMDK? I, I was thinking maybe there would be some diehard VMware people who say, oh, no. It's got to be a VMDK, but I think perhaps actually what you're saying is a much better argument, which is the only decision criteria should be the performance, but also be aware of the, perhaps the complexity. Uh, the VHD right. model seems much simpler, you know, fewer dependencies, you know. So at what point does the performance differentiate become so great that you switch between one architecture and another. And I guess, you, like you said, if you can run side by side, you've got the flexibility of using one where it matters and, and the other where you really need it, I guess. Right. Okay. It, well, it is, there's, there's one other advantage to VMDKs, I would say, mm. and that is if the customer wants to do hot ads, so during a user session, pop in an application. It's a lot easier to do with VMDKs. 
uh, because you've got uh, the management infrastructure and, 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 and vCenter being able to bring in that VMDK for that user during the session. Mm. You did mention about we, the limit on the number of VMDKs that can be mounted to the, the guest OS. And you know, we were always faced with, you can only do 256 of that or 1,024 of that and so on, max configs. But very often those max configs are never ones that you rub up against and therefore it's kind of a Looney Tune number. But that limit on the number of VMDKs that can mount it is, have you ever seen that be uh, a barrier to a customer or, you know, they're rubbing up not, against it? Not so far, well, not, not so far, it's a good question. Because although an organization will have sometimes thousands of applications, you really look at the individual user because users use applications we assign per user. A user may only have 20 applications, so we haven't really seen anyone get to that limit, right. um, even with VMDKs. Okay. So it's it's a moot point. But there are some technologies, other layering technologies that support far less than 58 mm. VMDKs. So it is a competitive difference in the market that we support just about as many as you can have, leaving two for the OS, the desktop session itself. Right, okay, okay, good. So everything remained true with VHDs, with VMDKs, we just added HA of our management console. Right. Profile Unity and FlexApp integration. So this is, this is a point I want to go into that, that, that keeps us geeked out a bit. And you asked that question earlier on our suite of products, which ones are integrated, and I said Profile Unity and FlexApp. FlexApp built from the ground up as part of our UEM solution, as far as our architecture goes, as far as part of our agent goes and things like that. We really see our, our saw the vision that UEM and layering were going to come together in the market, and that was as early as 2011 that we had that vision. And in 2012, we expanded our layering to, to offer department-installed applications, and that's the most popular thing that we're doing there, packaging apps and bringing them in, too. So it's an integrated piece of our Profile Unity Management Console, which you're seeing here. Mm -hmm. And you manage your applications in the Management Console and attach them for users by group. And this is an important thing, too. We have what, what's called context-aware filters. And what this is is groups that can go not just alongside AD groups that already exist and, and go with those, but it can be up to 300 different ways you can slice and dice and get down to a very granular type of a person in an organization that needs a specific UEM setting or application. So why reinvent the wheel when we know that you know users use applications and we needed to have this granularity and we already had it in our UEM solution. And not only that, but there's other things that you can do with UEM, especially our UEM, because we run with admin privileges. We have a very powerful uh, capabilities over the user registry itself. Not all UEM solutions have run with admin privileges. Again, there's only a couple in the market, and we're one of those. And so, in a, in the registry area, maybe you've layered down an application, and all of a sudden you're getting run once dialog boxes or something like that that you wish you'd have fixed in the packaging process. I've had that. No need I've had that problem that you're talking about. Yeah. So there's no need to open up the package to change that. Just change a registry key that turns that off, and then you're you're golden, right? So there's those types of little scenarios. Why you why do you want to open up or crack open another console? We see the market coming together and looking at this. Some of the layering vendors have gotten smart, and they also now it's dawned on them that they need UEM plus layering. And they're saying that they're getting to one management console. But to your point earlier about sometimes these things are sweets in theory, but they're not. 
So we see them coming under integrated management consoles. It's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be their their single pane of glass, which has multiple consoles within them, I believe. So we're far ahead of the curve in this area. We saw this vision as early as 2011, and we've all always offered earlier and in here. This gives you a glimpse at the advanced features too that are embedded in Profile Unity. You might have to pay for a separate suite product along the way with privilege elevation and application restrictions, for example. Sometimes that's a $40 price point as a separate product itself. That's included and embedded as part of Profile Unity. And we've got other smart things in here, like not only can we uh, do folder redirection, as you see in here, and and the, and the and under this feature module, but we actually can harvest data from one location and bring it to another. So it's advanced folder redirection. Microsoft has some of this stuff embedded to be able to do it uh, with group policy preferences and things like that, but it only does it with the user login. Mm -hmm. We do this in the background. We can move users, um, we can move contents of the case endpoint is like a My Documents folder or the desktop folder right. in the background as they're using the files, and then we'll do a last minute sync at the next login and change any deltas, and then we flip the folder redirection on. So now you see our migration story. Not only do we go across OS versions for our profile, that's robust, but we can bring user-authored data from one location and maybe put it in best practices to get it up in the user's home drive as it's well. It's interesting you mention group policies and folder redirection because it kind of picks up on one last question I want to ask on this particular slide, which is, you know, I remember when group policies first came out and I was teaching people how, when I was a Microsoft Windows trader back in the 90s. Does, is it in your view, should this supplant GPOs from Microsoft altogether or does it augment and, you know, if I have got two systems, you guys and also Microsoft GPOs, working out which is the authoritative system and where that setting's actually coming from could theoretically be a bit of a challenge. You know, where, where is that setting? Who owns it? What's, your, what's the company's view on this? Uh, should this supplant GPOs or should I be using them alongside existing GPO structures? So our... The cool thing about Profile Unity is we don't stomp on other technologies. We run as an application right right after the user's logged in for most processes. For UEM, that's true. So we don't stomp on the things that you've already done. So to answer your question uh, bluntly is that customers come in and they start doing a few things, and they're like, this is so much easier. This is documented. I'm, I haven't shown you this, but you can do PDF reports of everything that you've done. Um, I, there's a paper trail here. It's, why wouldn't I use this the news and GPOs uh, group policy preferences the advanced features and all that because now if 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 so and so leaves the organization I can see what's happened here so they start off small and that's fine by us and then they do more and more and more things over time so we we actually have some pretty good data about what users are using for our feature sets and what we see is in the first few months they maybe only be using a few features but after the first year they've truly realized the power of profile unity and they start to automate more of that rather than using the GPOs because of all the differences I cited earlier. I, I so. must admit, I hate GPOs with an absolute passion. <laughs> and uh, I think once every two or three years when I wrote a new book on, on uh, VMware View, I'd have to go back through the GPO sections because, you know, let's face it, it's free and everybody gets it. If you're on a budget, I mean a real budget, at least it's baked into the OS, even though it's absolutely horrible to to configure but by the time i was writing a new book it'd be a new version of active directory and have to relearn all the damn settings and sometimes i must have spent hours just logging in and logging out 
waiting for a setting to be applied or if it doesn't get applied and then trying to figure out where why it wasn't being applied so I could see why customers might feel similarly frustrated and want to supplant them but of course you may be inheriting an existing GPOs structure and implementation right. that you had no saying and it's you know often it's difficult to say they love you know customers tend to love our GUI approach you know it's 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 a really nice looking GUI you've got filter management that goes well beyond group policies mm -hmm. One thing I will say is that here in, in the spring, we're going to add ADMX imports. So uh, if you've got ADMX templates that you've already set up, Profile Unity can actually run those faster most of the time than Windows itself will run because we run those as an application and, and we can run them very granularly so you can assign them to context aware settings and things like that. So we look forward to rolling that out as well. So you don't have to scrap all the work that you've done in the past. You can just yeah bring in those templates think, and do I certain think I've got things. one last question before we do our, our wrap up which is and it would be remiss of me not to ask the question which is what comes next now obviously that puts us in the territory of road maps and stuff like that and I haven't signed an NDA uh, to do the vendor work I never do uh, unless it's helpful in part of the process then I might, I might do it but of course you know sometimes companies are a bit reluctant to talk about futures I know you know when I worked at VMware we were always very cautious about promising jam tomorrow uh, I think the first thing I learned was not to tell people what you were going to do next because the PM could ring you up and say you know we were going to do that next month well actually it's going to be the end of the year so <laughs> the ball could easily right. shift so I know it's it, uh, often you know unfair to put somebody on the spot uh, but you did mention you know this import of, of AD templates so could you give us an indication of where, where things are going without Without having to call the lawyers in. Yeah, I can give you I can give you some hints because you're spot on. This has become a very very competitive market, and we've got giants looking at us, and probably even listening today. I hope and they know who Mr. Mike Laverick is, and 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 they know he's looking at cutting edge technology. So, I will say that you know we we have you see the hooks, the way we can manage vCenter and things like that. We, we're spin up these VMDKs when our packaging console brings those in. You don't even have to know anything about vCenter. We'll do all that stuff automatically. We're managing it. We're head and shoulders above where people are in that area. So we've got hooks and integration where we're stitched in with VMware technologies here and there. We're doing the same thing um, with Citrix, the, the bigger grill in the market. And uh, Citrix has got some very interesting technologies around app DNA and others. So look for us in there to be working more closely uh, with Citrix and the, the bigger, the even bigger player in the market for. Um, Shared hosted desktops as well as um, as their VDI solutions and desktops, so ZenApp and 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 Zen Desktop. Um, but also look for things in our packaging console to and and things that the market has not even thought of yet to make packaging much more uh, simple and straightforward. I already talked about how you could have just a a frontline desktop administrator packaging things. You no longer have to sequence. It's about to get even more interesting than that. And I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that okay. to say that <laughs> you, uh, you may not even have to have that. So, so. <laughs> okay, well, um, let's let's let, let's wrap up. I believe we have a kind of thank you slide, but maybe you can use that to sort of um, summarize what you want to get across, and we can say our goodbyes off the off the back of that. Right, right. Well, you know, again, thanks for having us on. You know, if anybody's on social media, of course, we love to hear shout outs. So if you see these any of these hashtags or anything like that, feel free to, uh, uh, to, to say that you saw some very interesting tech here today. And, and this was part two, right? Mm -hmm. A part of three parts from us. And 
you'll see our CTO on one of the next ones that are done and, and get an even more geek out talk on that. But just try our solutions. We're, there's a free trial of our solutions online. Some salesperson is not going to call you right away just to give you a key. Yeah, they're going to contact you eventually, I'm sure. But go download right now. Within within 15 minutes, you can be putting in a, a proof of concept of what I had showed you today, whether it's on the monitoring side or on the profile entity and, and layering side. So that's the takeaway. And if you need um, any kind of trial licenses beyond that, reach out to us at sales at liquidwearlabs.com. There's a lot of white papers out there that go far more in depth than I did today. There's some how-to videos on installing if you get stuck for any reason. Everything's really intuitive and, and the configurations are set up. But if not, take a look at our video area. And if you're looking to partner with a company and you're a partner watching this, we have a strong partner network. Uh, and, and our, our partnership in its finest form is called the Accelerate Partnership with Liquid Wear Labs. It gets you armed up with stratosphere fit type of uh, solutions to be able to come in there and engage with customers. Customers that are watching today are interested in partners that do that so they can get started down this path to getting more users over to their next desktop, whether it's a virtual or remote session hosted desktop or a physical desktop in the cloud or physical. So. That's how to get started with us and who to ask questions. Cheers. Thanks a lot for that, Jason. And uh, please uh, hang on for the next video, which is going to be uh, technology. Bit of a crap pun from Mike. Technology demo, uh, where you're going to see the product in action. Um, I, I like the blend of the, the two. I need to know how things work conceptually and the advantages and disadvantages. But if I don't see the thing on screen, I don't really make a connection with the, the product. So that's that's the next thing that we're going to be doing. So thank you a lot for your, your time today, Jason, and uh, we'll see you in the next show. So we'll say, wave goodbye thank to you. people. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Cheers.